sometimes you've got a population you need to control. And you need to have a narrative capable of inspiring fear, anxiety, and a nebulous sense of hopelessness and despair. Like the alcoholic ennui of a food insecure Rocky Mountain dive bar in a post-industrial economic sacrifice zone. That's why we here at Fear Fresh Farms have dedicated our lives to providing the global parasite class and its obsequious media stenographers with the finest, crispest Rocky Mountain fear porn. Murky and opaque, like the befouled rump of an ornery moose. When you're setting your ways, living high off the hog, you want to make sure the unwashed masses don't show up at your door with pitchforks and a guillotine. Well, don't you worry your groggy little mug. Here at Fear Fresh Farms, we've got you covered. Zeph, tell the good people what we got. Hi, I'm John Zephyrius Nenaniah Shamwah Wayne, and I'm tickled as a jackrabbit's craw to tell you all about our brand new endeavor here at Fear Fresh Farms. Introducing our state-of-the-art Fort Detrick-inspired gain-of-function junction, we call it the Pop Shop. We deliver proprietary fine-spun pox media pack dissemination kits. We got all the pox you need, none of the pox you don't. All the pox you want, none of the pox you won't. 100% pox, the whole pox, and nothing but the pox, so help you biomedical police state. We got the donkey pox, the rhino pox, the tortoise pox, and for a limited time, the puffer fish pox. Wait till you see them puffer fish pox. You scared little fin critter and kaboom, pox explosion. We got us an outbreak. Manufactured pandemic stop. You need a crisis, we got the pox. And don't forget, you buy two truckloads of any pox, you get a free crate of puppy pox. That's right, absolutely free. But that's not even all. We have a special offer exclusively for our friends at the Eco Health Alliance. This one's been fermenting for almost as many decades as our fetal calf serum fed immortal cell lines. But if not now, when? And if not us, who? Introducing the Pox Pox. It's pox that grows on pox. Pox on pox on pox. So you see, you can have a nice little substratum of say some horse pox. Then you layer on some, how about some hog pox? And we can call it the horse hog pox. Imagine the media feeding frenzy like hogs to a corn crib. But can you believe it? That's not even all. Order your pox-laden virile monkey kidney cell lines today and we'll throw in some stock photos of indeterminate bodies covered in indeterminate pox for free. Saturate your airwaves and your daily rags with high quality pox stock photos and be automatically entered into our lipid nanoparticle free-for-all. Intel agencies from all over the world have thrown their pox-besmirched hats in the ring for this once-in-a-generation raffle, with prizes ranging from Klaus Schwab's original beach-worn mankini, signed and framed, to escaped laboratory macaques, to our grand prize, the missing SARS-CoV-2 genomic sequence. That's right, we've partnered with our friends inside the CCP to bring you the painstakingly authenticated missing Rona genome that the NIH deleted from the sequence read archive at the behest of the Wuhan lab in March of 2020. Use code MOUSEVIROME for a free case of vials, along with diplomatic immunity. Perfect for smuggling cell lines across national borders. Back up to you, Abram.
Thank you, Zef. Pox packs, fermentation, and media dissemination kits. Delivered cold and packed in ice, like the driven snow of the Rocky Mountain peaks. Fear Fresh Farms, delivering ticker tape red meat to stimulate the adrenal glands of Cheeto-addled, manic-depressive couch potatoes since September 11, 2001. We got the kitten pox. We got the doggo pox. We got the gerbil pox. And we got the parrot pox. We got the gator pox. We got the bunny pox. We got the zebra pox. And we've got the Yangtze River dolphin pox. Pox packs, fermentation and media dissemination kits. Gotta literally catch them all. Midsummer 1703, just past dawn, and you are a young Russian peasant living in the Karelia region of northwest Russia, just outside a small village called Shunga. You're on your way to one of the many marshy ponds in the forested area, because you've heard stories of the Tsar himself, Peter the Great, having traveled to your own little town in order to attain mysterious health benefits from the ubiquitous matte black rock that exists here and, according to the elders, nowhere else in the world. You find a rocky black beach beside a small pond, and you sink your body into the inviting jet black mud. Instantly, you feel renewed, energized, and full of life. Peter the Great must be onto something, you think. Perhaps you could make this very pond into a spa, and travelers from all corners of the earth could come and bask in the cold, black, healing Shungite waters. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to the Barbarian Noetics Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. I appreciate you. To my patrons, y'all are the carbon content in my Shungite. I would not have antiviral, antibacterial, and water cleansing properties without you, nor could I block EMF. So y'all are the shit. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And this episode is a little bit of a hodgepodge app, folks, um, and it is not one of my longer episodes. I was not able to work on it for much of the weekend because I was under the weather, but I am better now, so I'm very happy with how my immune system handled it, uh, thanks to a just inordinate amount of Ojai California tangerines, which thank God they were on sale at Sprouts. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, so I decided to do the episode about a just a bunch of different topics this week, some kind of salient current event stuff, and then I wanted to do my feature on Shungite, on the rock Shungite, so that's what we're going to be talking about. I'm in the process of making some Shungite water, and uh, I'm not going to get into any of the details about this pretty amazing mineral because obviously I get into it later. So we're going to jump right into this episode, everyone. You know I got those tasty audio tidbits for you, as always, and some other fun stuff. 
So if you appreciate what I'm doing here on the BMP and you derive some value from the show I put out every single week, I could really use your help to stay on the air and to afford groceries. So you can hop over to patreon.com noetics, sign up at any tier, and you gain bonus content and uh, dream interpretation and other perks when you sign up. Or you could make a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com noetics as well. I can really appreciate it. Thank you so much for spreading the word and telling a friend about the BMP so we can continue to expand our tribe of philosopher barbarians. I have a very special announcement. A very special guest will be coming on the podcast soon, uh, but I'm going to save that for next week, everyone. But good things happening here for the Barbarian Noetics podcast, and I couldn't do it without you guys, so thank you so much. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't done so already. And without further ado, everyone, we're going to jump right into this episode. Much love. Catch up by the slide in the sky, lark gliding, dipping this on my hoop, they gonna run up from sirens. I'm by my chips, never been up by no bitch, standing tall on my two own server busted the trip. Uh you ain't no factor, looking like just an actor. Can you pitch hanging up on my nuts, coming after? I'll play your squalor, envious of a baller, whipping the bucket just like a foreign and popping collars. this weekend but I have to say I'm very happy with how my immune system handled granted I did just give myself nothing but sleep for three straight days and that makes a big difference because then the body can focus all of its energy on the adaptive immune system uh, you don't have to your body doesn't have to split resources between your adaptive immune system and keeping you functional and walking around which I think quickens the process greatly but I you know I like you know I like some soups right so I've been making some soups this weekend, and I've got some soup news. It's soup news. All right, everyone. So I made a hella good soup. It's not like a very complicated soup, and I suppose some would argue like it's not even a very um, substantial soup. <laughs> there's there's no like there's no p- meat and potatoes. Literally, there's no meat or potatoes in the soup. Uh, but it was so good. So I picked up um, a, like three cartons of organic free-range chicken broth. Um, and that's, you know, for a long time I didn't eat chicken broth because I was like, no, I'm a over pescatarian and stuff. But I try not to be dogmatic with that. And I've, 
I hear you hear all the time that like chicken soup, chicken soup is good. You know, when you're under the weather, you have chicken soup. So I was like, and it felt good to me too. It sounded good. So anyway, so I got a high quality organic free range chicken broth. So first what I do, so I have my, my soup pot and I put a bunch of coconut oil in there because coconut oil is antimicrobial in and of itself. It's incredibly medicinal and useful. Coconut oil is amazing. You can like, on the Big Island, if you get a paper cut, it becomes infected in like three days and then it takes like five months to heal. It's really annoying. And when you get a cut on your foot and then you have to work at a natural food store where you have to wear shoes and socks all day, it really sucks. And I was like, fuck this cut, this is gonna get infected. What the fuck am I gonna do? And then my buddy, um, who is uh, Kama Aina from the island, he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, just rub your foot in coconut oil before you put your shoes in. I'm like, really? That's all? He's like, yeah, just rub your foot in coconut oil, put your shoes and socks on, work all day, you'll be good. It's going to heal the... And it had even already started to become infected, which when you're in the jungle, that's a really bad sign. If it starts to become infected, you're like, oh shit, this is going to be a problem. Anyways, coconut oil reversed the infection, cleared it right up, and that was with me on my feet moving around all day in my sweaty ass socks and shoes. So coconut oil is the shit. So anyways, <laughs> uh, first I put coconut oil in the bottom of the pot, and then I cut up a bunch of carrots uh, into small chunks, and I let the carrots simmer at the bottom of the pot in the coconut oil, and I let them simmer for like a good hot minute. Uh, you know, maybe even until they start to get a little brown on the edges. Let them simmer up, let them soften up. Then I will add the chicken broth to that, to the simmering, um, frying, I guess, uh, bits of carrots. Add the, the chicken broth to that. Bring it up to a simmer again. Then I cut up a beet into small bits, throw the beet in. The beet is gonna make the broth bright red, so hopefully that you're not averse to that. I, lo I love the color of beets, so I also like how they make me feel, and I know how good they are for me, so cut up the beet, throw it in there, now the broth is red, um, and then I had an organic bell pepper, an organic green bell pepper, and I cut that up into small, small little bits, and threw that in there. And then where it really like, where it really took off, if I don't say so myself, is with the spices. So first I, so the chicken broth had some salt in it, so I didn't want to oversalt, but I did put a little bit, I have Celtic sea salt, so I put a little bit of Celtic sea salt in there, um, mostly for like the minerals and also for the taste, I love salt. Then I uh, crush some uh, pepper, crush some pepper, then you throw the turmeric in, because you always want to have turmeric with black pepper because it makes the curcumin more bioavailable. So. Um, and I knew that I was going to be putting in a lemon pepper blend that I made so I didn't crush a lot of pepper in and that's something that is useful to know is that you don't need hardly any pepper for it to work. Just a little bit of pepper to go with your turmeric and you're good. Um, but I like pepper anyway so crush some pepper then I put some lemon pepper blend in there. Then I actually squeezed a lemon slice in there. Um, then I crushed up some tarragon. I crushed up some thyme. I threw in like a dozen or so little fen fenugreek seeds. Fenugreek seeds are amazing and they're super medicinal, which I learned from my Bulgarian friend in college. She was like, yes, in Bulgaria, everyone, fenugreek is like the omni healer. People use it to heal everything. I've always remembered that and I always throw fenugreek in my uh, soup for that reason. Um, then let's see, I, I crushed up a little bit of sage and cumin, a little bit of cumin, a little bit of garam ma masala, 
and I think I'm, oh, marjoram, marjoram. Um, so yeah, so lots of spices, because also I was reading that spices, all, especially after they get rehydrated, they also have like these different little minerals and nutrients and stuff, and it really adds to like the healing nature of the, the meal, the more spices you use, let your food be thy medicine. And then of course, the, the king, kingpin, uh, the secret sauce in any meal, organic garlic, so I had just bought a brand new clove of amazing organic, or a bulb, I guess I should say, of amazing organic garlic. Natty Grosh, Natural Grocers, they got the best organic garlic in the valley and uh, broke off a big clove, massive clove actually, cut it up into tiny, tiny, tiny little chunks, throw that in there and let it simmer. Oh, that soup was delicious. So anyways, I had to share my... <laughs> Soup news! It's soup news! They've recorded a black hole, so we're going to consult here with Space.com, a gentleman named Scott Dutfield. What does a black hole and its galaxy sound like? says, meet the newest stars on the music scene. Well, not stars precisely. Oh, it starts off so corny and cheesy. Fuck, it makes me feel lame even now saying it, but uh, I'm, I'm in now. In for a penny, in for a pound. Why'd they have to start so cheesy, though? Anyways, okay, here we go. Messier 87 is an elliptical galaxy about 55 million light years from Earth. At its center is a black hole with a mass that's 6.5 billion times that of our companion sun. God damn. That's one-tenth of, uh, what's-his-face, Michael Bloomberg's fortune. <laughs> this black hole was the first to ever be imaged by the Event Horizon Telescope Project, which three years ago released a portrait of the black hole's shadow and a bright disk of matter that is being gravitationally pulled into the black hole's center. However, after using data collected by a group of telescopes, they discovered that Lawrence Fishburne was in a spaceship and they were recording really far. Oh, that's Event Horizon, the movie. Okay, I see. Yeah, so uh, I, I misread there, I guess. Misimagined. <laughs> However, after using data collected by a group of telescopes, not including the EHT, which stands for the Event Horizon Telescope, scientists have now released the song that M87 and its supermassive black holes are singing, according to a NASA statement. 
Using X-ray data collected by the Chandra X-ray Observatory, optical light data gathered by the Hubble Space Telescope, and radio waves recorded by the Atacama Large Millimeter Array in Chile, NASA scientists have created a radar-style map that plays the sound of M87, specifically of the massive jet of material that the black hole at its heart shoots across the galaxy. What? Specifically of the massive jet of material that the black hole at its heart shoots across the galaxy. That's so wild, like, because light can't escape black holes, but I guess it shoots out material, which reinforces my theory that black holes are connective tissue between universes, and on the other side of a black hole is a whole other universe. So that's very interesting. To create the soundscapes, I apologize that I'm not more eloquent right now. It's kind of late. I'm coming at you late on a Sunday after Sunday evening, and I hadn't uh, smoked, hadn't toked the ganj in like four days because I was under the weather. So I don't feel like I'm uh, exactly at my pithiest. But hey, it's we're in it. We're in with for the ebbs and the flows. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna see if I can finish this article here. To create the soundscape, scientists mapped the wavelengths of three different types of electromagnetic radiation emitted by the black hole's surroundings and jet to a range of audible tones. At the top of the map are the highest notes mapped from Chandra's recorded x-rays, which are followed by medium tones of Hubble optical light data and the lowest tones of ALMA's radio waves at the bottom. I don't know what any of that means, but maybe some of you do. As the sound progresses, it creates an audio representation of the, quote, loudest parts of the black hole. For example, the brightest and loudest part of the map, where the majority of the radiation is emitted, is near the beginning of the sonification and represents the black hole itself. The brightness and volume of the song fluctuate with the jets of radiation emitted by the black hole. When combined, the three radiation sounds blend to produce one of the best galactic white noise machines. Along with M87, scientists also recorded the sound of a galaxy cluster called Perseus. Around 250 million light-years away from Earth, a cluster of galaxies in the Perseus constellation is releasing pressure waves. Folks, Perseus constellation be releasing pressure waves. You heard it here first. Some 30,000 light-years across, out into the universe. These pressure waves are emitted from a black hole at Perseus' center and ripple through the ultra-hot gases that make up the galactic cluster. Scientists were able to translate and resynthesize the pressure waves into sound waves that humans can hear. Initially, the frequency of the sound waves was recorded at 57 octaves lower than the human ear can hear. However, after this, after scaling the sound, listen, to, this is crazy. However, after scaling the sound wave frequency 144 quadrillion times higher than the original frequency, the sound of Perseus can be heard. So the sound that, that you heard maybe before this and definitely after the segment, that is the actual sound, the actual like frequency of the, of the black hole is 144 quadrillion times deeper. <laughs> Holy shit. It's a misconception that because space is largely a vacuum, sound cannot exist within it. 
The logic behind the misconception centers around the need for a medium, such as air or water, for the sound waves to travel through. In a vacuum, no such medium exists. However, the galactic gases in the Perseus cluster offer more than enough medium to record a sound. That's interesting, the galactic gases. Right on. The sonification of the M87 and Perseus galaxies was produced as part of an ongoing project led by NASA's Chandra X-ray Observatory and NASA's Universe of Learning program to, quote, sonify the universe and collect the symphony of space. It's pretty dope. I'm here for it, folks. All right, friends, so since the beginning of March 2020, uh, pretty much everything the fake news fringe conspiracy theorists have been fretting about has come to pass. COVID is less dangerous than the flu for kids and young, healthy adults. Masks don't work and are just being utilized for psychological purposes. mRNA jabs are rushed, untested, unsafe, and ineffective at stopping transmission. mRNA can be reverse transcribed into our permanent genome. Lockdowns were an unprecedented public health measure that caused more harm than good. Bill Gates is a Luciferian demon who feasts on babies. Jeff Bezos is actually Medusa's bald stepbrother. Melinda has a kick-ass PR team, etc. But there's always one fake news conspiracy theory that shitlibs and others like to point at, and Bill Gates himself likes to point at. He always points to this one, actually, especially when he tries to disprove, tries to say, like, oh, these crazy conspiracy theorists, theories about me, you know, I'm not actually accumulating all the farmland in the U.S. so I can, you know, force everyone to buy lab meat that I'm also heavily invested in or anything. He points at the, uh, oh, I'm, I'm putting microchips in the vaccines to track people. Ha, 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 isn't that so crazy? Well, back in 2018, Albert Borla, uh, the psychopathic CEO of Pfizer who goes and meets with the Pope and has super secret meetings with the Pope all the time, who knows what they're talking about. Back in 2018, I'm just going to go ahead and play this clip and then I'll read the article for you guys. Let's go ahead and play this clip. It is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, it sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, the compliance, uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. It is uh, fascinating what happens in this field. If you couldn't tell what he said, he said it is a basically biological chip that is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet, he said. So imagine the applications of that, the compliance. This is his words, not mine. Let's listen to it again, guys. Uh, Basically biological chip that it is in the tablet, and once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, it sends a signal that you took the tablet. 
So imagine the applications of that, the compliance. Imagine the compliance of that. And you can't see right now in the audio, but he's making a really fucked up face. I don't know why, these evil elites always have extremely satanic eyebrows. I think they, go, they all go to like the same eyebrow sculptor. Lucifer's eyebrow sculptor in LA or something like that. So I'm gonna go ahead and read this article. This is from uh, JD Rucker's Substack. Pfizer CEO announces trackable chip in pills to bring the New World Order's dreams to fruition. Again, this was back in 2018. If you tell an average American Big Pharma wants to put trackable chips in your pills that send a signal letting them know you're compliant, they'll think you're crazy. Except it's happening and they're admitting it. Imagine pills that send signals to your pharmaceutical overlords so that they know you're actually taking their drugs and not faking it. Staying compliant is, after all, a requirement to live in the near-future dystopian society the New World Order has planned. They cannot have people walking around who haven't ingested their poisons, right? It sounds like science fiction until you realize it was just announced by Albert Borla, CEO for Pfizer, to the World Economic Forum at their 2018 Davos gathering. So one more time, guys, let's go ahead and let this play. Speaks for itself. Let's get to the beginning here. These guys always have the creepiest fucking accents, too. It is basically is a biological chip that is, you know, in the tablet. And once you take the tablet, then we know you took it or not. Imagine the compliance. Imagine the compliance. It is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And got the chips in the, the dip. And dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, the compliance. Boom, the compliance. Imagine the compliance. So there you go, guys. That's for your sweet dreams tonight. Sweet dreams, cozy up, and just imagine Albert Borla looking, staring down your esophagus through his pill chip uh, in the not-so-distant future. All right. <laughs> With that, I'm signing off. Chip that it is in the tablet. So imagine
friends. So this week we're going to be talking about a very interesting and, in my opinion, very beautiful mineral called shungite. And shungite is a very unique mineral with uh, many healing properties and other interesting properties. So it's only found in one region of Russia uh, called the Karelia region, just northeast of St. Petersburg. And I'm going to be reading a little bit. This is from the book Healing with Shungite written by Jessica Mailer. And uh, I wanted to talk about Shungite because A, I think it's interesting, and B, I'm, I utilize Shungite in my life, so I have a Shungite medallion that I wear around my neck because I figure any help we can possibly get. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but it's supposed to help protect your organs and protect your kind of energetic field against uh, excessive EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies, which of course we're just awash in, especially in the city here. We're just like literally floating in an ocean of different EMF and 5G and all this crap and so anything I can do to try to mitigate some of that and then I also just ordered a bag of uh, shungite rocks raw shungite rocks so it's kind of like they're like matte black and um, you have to like wash them off really good and stuff because they're real dusty but then you can actually make shungite water with them and shungite water is supposed to be incredibly beneficial so let's read a little bit about shungite shall we all right, definition of shungite. So shungite is classified as an amorphous, meaning it cooled extremely fast, metamorphic material. It started off as a different type of rock altogether, but extreme heat and pressure within the Earth's crust transformed its mineral makeup to become what we now know as shungite. Geologists believe that shungite first formed during the Paleoproterozoic era. Goddamn. The longest era in Earth's geological formation, 2.5 to 1.6 billion years ago. It was first discovered in the 17th century in Russia near Shunga village, where Shungite's name is derived. Shungite is only found naturally in northwest Russia in the upper, oh man, no way I'll be able to pronounce this word, Zaunishkaya formation just northeast of St. Petersburg. So there's three different types of shungite. Type 1 is known as elite shungite, and it's made up of 98% organic carbon with trace amounts of nitrogen, sul oxygen, sulfur, and hydrogen, and it is manually excavated. It's extremely fragile. Type 2 shungite is made up of 64% organic carbon, and then type 3 or regular shungite is made up of 30 to 50% organic carbon. So the elemental makeup of shungite. Shungite's high carbon makeup gives the mineral certain catalytic abilities, making it especially good for electroconductivity and chemical resistance. It is, this is the magic behind shungite's EMF fighting capabilities, which we'll discuss more about in chapter four. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. To understand how shungite came to be, we have to start at the beginning. All crystals start out as magma, that molten fluid found bubbling beneath the Earth's crust. When magma makes its way above ground, it's considered lava, but the atmosphere is no longer hot enough to keep it in its liquid form. The cooling process of lava is what creates minerals or igneous rocks. All minerals start out as igneous rocks, but not all igneous rocks are the same. This is because magma contains many different mineral-forming elements. 
Magma is the substance that created the surface of the Earth. The movement or motion of magma has no ordered state. From a scientific point of view, it's believed that 4.5 billion years ago, planet Earth started out as a gigantic cloud of cosmic dust and gas. The force of gravity drew these particles together, eventually forming a blazingly hot liquid sphere. Over time, the temperature of the sphere decreased and its composition began to change. It's believed that around this time, about 3.5 billion years ago, the Earth's magnetic field began to form. Eventually, light matter and heavy matter separated, like oil and water, creating the different layers of the Earth, core, mantle, and crust. And the surface began to cool, creating a thin outer shell. This shell had many cracks in it. Magma and steam forced their way through these cracks to create larger, thicker layers of rock that make up the Earth's crust. With mantle flowing beneath the crust, large plates of rock, tectonic plates, began to shift. Friction and collisions gave rise to mountains, volcanoes, and earthquakes, which shaped the surface of the Earth. From chaos, order was created. Different substances commingle in magma, which informs us that the hot liquid is not a homogeneous substance. Its makeup varies in different areas of the Earth, which helps us understand why many different types of minerals are formed by magma. It's also the reason that distinctive minerals are only found in certain parts of the world. Other factors also help determine the fate or distinction of a mineral. Once the mineral makes it to the Earth's surface, outside forces like wind and water cause it to erode. Water in particular can dissolve certain mineral forming elements, which then transforms the mineral's composition. If an igneous rock is weathered by the elements in a way that has changed its mineral makeup and or if it's transported away from where it was created and deposited elsewhere via the wind or a body of water, then it's considered sedimentary rock. I'm skipping ahead a little bit because she gets super into the weeds about different types of minerals and I'm just not quite sure if it's super riveting radio. <laughs> I'll read a tiny bit more and then I'll skip ahead. Seven geometric shapes are used for crystal classification. Square, rectangle, hexagon, triangle, rhombus, parallelogram, and trapezium. If you were to throw a crystal with force at the ground, you would see that it breaks into a similar shape with similar edges. So smoky quartz and calcite, both trigonal in makeup, would break in triangular shapes. Sodalite, with its cubic arrangement, would shatter into square pieces. Crystals with a lattice break into smaller, similar shapes because of their strong, interlocking, repeating, internal geometric structure. Amorphous materials, or minerals, however, are an exception to the rule. Where the geometric crystalline structures have order, amorphous minerals lack an organized internal structure. This occurs when a crystal's formation process is too fast, lacking time for the atoms to organize themselves in an ordered fashion as it rapidly coagulates into solid matter. It could also be that there are too many different substances that come together to form the rock. Since shungite is classified as an amorphous metamorphic mineral, by definition it would lack any kind of organized internal structure. But one of the reasons why shungite is so special is that it's been found to be made up of fullerenes, also known as C60 or carbon 60. Fullerenes are composed of 12 pentagonal and 20 hexagonal faces, which exist together in their molecular makeup to form a 
geodesic dome-like structure reminiscent of a soccer ball. So, the formation of Shungite. To understand the origins of Shungite, we have to go back to our planet's formation story. It's believed that water-rich meteorites hit Earth's surface as the crust was carving itself out, which introduced the first water into Earth's atmosphere. Water condensation allowed the earliest elements of life to be introduced to the planet. These first life forms, which evolved 3.8 billion years ago, were prokaryotes, cells that lack a nucleus or organized internal structure. They did, however, contain what's since been considered the origin of life, a single strand of DNA. They did, however, contain what's since been considered the origin of life, a single strand of DNA. Feeding on carbon compounds that accumulated in the early oceans, bacteria ultimately formed. These organisms developed to use the sun's energy and sulfides to generate their own energy, creating cyanobacteria, what we know today as blue-green algae. Earth's first oxygen producers by way of photosynthesis. Over time, enough oxygen accumulated in Earth's atmosphere to allow for the evolution of oxygen-metabolizing organisms, helping to jumpstart the evolution of new, more complicated life. Evolution didn't happen overnight, though. It took roughly 1 to 1.5 billion years for prokaryotes to develop into eukaryotes, cells with the defined nucleus and organelles. Talk about a glacial pace. So Shungite formed about 2.2 billion years ago. It consists of decomposed prokaryotes mixed with mud and silt to form kerogen, now the most abundant form of organic matter on Earth. These sediments slowly sank into the soil and, due to Earth's pressure, were compressed and transformed into rock. Geothermal heat and subterranean volcanic activity caused the organic materials to liquefy, transforming them further into simpler substances, hydrocarbons in the form of petroleum or bituminous shale and coal. This fluid spread out over 3,475 miles of land in what's considered today to be the Russian part of Karelia. The Karelia region straddles the border of Finland and northwest Russia, eventually forming Shungite through the petrification process. Scientists believe that the petrification process allowed the natural molecular structure of fullerenes to form. Because of their unique molecular structure, fullerenes, one of several classifications of carbon allotropes, are used as antiviral agents. Fuck yeah! An allotrope is an element, like the carbon in fullerenes, that can configure itself in such a way that its structure and properties change, even though its composition remains the same. Fullerenes' unique cage-like structures allows, allow them to both carry needed molecules and trap dangerous substances in the body, and then to remove them. This makes shungite very effective in reducing the amount of electromagnetic radiation in and around a certain space. Fuck yeah. In fact, research has shown that fullerenes are particularly potent in combating the flu, inhibiting HIV-1 replication, and suppressing herpes and other viral infections resistant to existing drugs. Why are these cage-like structures so efficient at trapping dangerous substances? Because of their high carbon makeup. Considered the magic of life, carbon is necessary for all life forms. 
all living organisms contain carbon. It exists in nearly every compound in our bodies and every function our bodies carry out. We need it to live, grow, and reproduce. Carbon is especially unique in its ability to bond to other carbon molecules, as well as to form up to four covalent bonds between atoms or molecules. A covalent bond occurs when two atoms or molecules share an electron, enabling the atoms or molecules to stick together, which also stabilizes and strengthens them. Electron deficient in nature, fullerenes react easily with free radicals, unstable atoms that can damage cells, proteins, and DNA. Acting as antioxidants, molecules that neutralize free radicals, fullerene's cage-like structure attracts and traps the free radicals and then transforms them into a neutral compound. This ability has made fullerene's popular in cosmetics technology as an anti-aging and anti-damage agent. Hell yeah. Take a quick pause and I'm going to see if I can find this chapter on what makes them so effective, what makes Shungite so effective at uh, blocking EMFs. podcast in which, for the fun of it, I invite listeners to imagine that reading history is as close to time travel as a person might get. As the years go by, I wonder more and more if George Orwell wasn't actually a time traveller for real. So right has he proven to be about where decisions made and actions taken in the 20th century would lead future generations. In Animal Farm, he predicted the abuse of trust and the exploitation of power. Once the pigs have control of the farm, they immediately set about taking advantage of their situation. When the other animals notice, for instance, that the pigs are taking all the milk and apples for themselves, while everyone else must eat tasteless slop, the pig's PR spokesman, called Squealer, explains the move is backed by science. Comrades, he tells them, you do not imagine, I hope, that we pigs are doing this in a spirit of selfishness and privilege. Many of us actually dislike apples. I dislike them myself. Our sole object in taking these things is to preserve our health. Milk and apples, this has been proved by science, comrades, contain substances absolutely necessary to the well-being of a pig. We are brain workers. The whole management and organisation of the farm depends on us. I read those lines again and think about the science we've heard so much about recently. I think too about all the news stories about how good it will be for us as well to eat bugs and lab-grown meat instead of the good stuff. That's science too, don't you know? Then I read about Bill Gates being the biggest owner of farmland in the US and wonder if it will be bugs and lab-grown meat he will produce from all those acres or maybe cattle for sirloins and corn on the cob for the barbecue. Who could say? Energy giant Eon recently sent pairs of polyester socks to customers with the message, energy down, CO2 down. Those literally in control of the power have been telling people to wear more clothes to fend off the cold rather than have heating in their homes. All the while this is going on, oil and gas companies report record profits and bountiful dividends for shareholders. Follow the science or follow the money. You choose. 
In Animal Farm, before the revolution, the pigs promised the animals that in future they would have electric light in their stalls, hot water as well as cold. Later on, once the pigs have control of the farm, such ideas are silenced. Napoleon, the leader of the pigs, says such notions are contrary to the spirit of animalism, which is their ideology. He tells them the truest happiness lies in working hard and living frugal lives. You'll own nothing a person might hear and you'll be happy. I read about socks in the mail from energy companies. I read about MPs awarding themselves a pay rise in excess of £2,000 a year. I listen to Boris Johnson justifying tax hikes and the rest. Asked by a reporter, what would you say to families trying to make ends meet? Buy cheaper food? Don't replace clothes? Turn down the thermostat or turn it off altogether? What should people do? Boris Johnson answered, people are obviously going to face choices that they're going to have to make. Frugal lives. Napoleon the pig would be proud. better than ever but i could not find the chapter four from that healing with shungite book anywhere on the interwebs but i did find a pretty good article here that addresses the how shungite is able to block electromagnetic frequencies it comes from maximumoffgrid.com so does shungite really block electromagnetic frequencies he says i could not find the answer to this by merely skimming the net sure there are videos showing shungite blocking emf from microwaves modems etc but someone always finds a way to debunk these videos. I needed to know more, and the only way to find out was to delve into scientific papers and patents. I found three case studies that really convinced me that Shungite does indeed block EMF. Case study number one, there's a method of containing radiation using fullerene molecules, which shows how a container made with Shungite was built to contain radiation. Case study number two, Electromagnetic wave-absorbing properties of amorphous carbon nanotubes are used to block radar frequencies. And case study number three, electromagnetic wave absorption material in various items is a patent that uses shungite as a coating to protect the circuit boards from electromagnetic interference. So the first case study is patent number blah 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 blah. Um, this patent has been filled for utilizing fullerene carbon molecules co to contain radiation from nuclear waste. This nuclear waste containment system is comprised of fullerene carbon layers that prevent nuclear radiation from leaking out of the containment vessel. So there's a ton of information about this patent. Um, C60 is the only single layer fullerene molecule that will completely contain high energy ionizing radiation. Under specific temperature and pressure conditions, C60, which again, that's what's in shungite, it's the, the fullerene present in shungite, can completely absorb the five main types of harmful high energy ionizing radiation, namely alpha, beta, gamma, x-ray, and neutron radiation. The natural state of a fullerene present in shungite is the 60 molecular structure. 60 molecule structure. 
As stated in the quote, this type of fullerene carbon is capable of absorbing the five main types of harmful radiation. This is because the natural fullerene works as an absolute vacuum as it hollows on the inside. This vacuum filters out impurities in water along with absorbing electromagnetic frequencies and radio waves. My second case study is a scholarly article released by Scientific Reports. In this experiment, carbon nanotubes were utilized to create a radar-absorbing material to block radar stealth technology. The study has shown that carbon nanotubes have excellent electromagnetic wave absorption performance due to its unique structure and extreme electrical conductivity. Carbon nanotubes are, nanotubes are created by fullerenes, which as we know are naturally present in shungite. We can thus deduce that since carbon nanotubes are extremely efficient at blocking radar waves, the natural form of the fullerene has the power to absorb these waves as well. Finally, the third case study comes from Japan. The invention of this patent is the development of a coating on a circuit board that blocks electromagnetic interference. The invention uses a layer of shungite, referred to as shungaito, along with other layers to absorb other layers of carbon to absorb EMI. The patent claims that out of all the carbon materials used, the shungite offers the best protection to eliminating the most EMI. And then I'll just read what the author personally believes about shungite blocking EMF. He says, the case studies are compelling, and I suggest you give them a read for yourself. Personally, I think the scientific evidence does support that shungite can block radiation, frequencies from radar, and electromagnetic interference. It is already being used in devices and products all over the world, and even the military has utilized shungite in their equipment. I feel comfortable saying that yes, shungite does in fact protect you from EMF. So there you go. I'm going to be making some Shungite water here shortly, and I will let you know how that goes next week. Much love, everybody. Excuse my voice if it sounds a little scratchy. I'm getting over a little head cold here, but um, I did consume in the past 24 hours. I've consumed literally 21 tangerines, <laughs> and uh, I'm feeling a lot better. I think there really is something too. Just like a massive dose of vitamin C. Uh, yeah, I dragged myself to Sprouts yesterday and 
because I was like had no appetite for anything other than oranges. The only thing I wanted, dragged my ass to Sprouts, and then I was like, "Fuck yes!" Because they had these delicious tangerines from Ojai, California, on sale, two for a dollar, two bags, not two tangerines, two bags of tangerines for a dollar. So I just like loaded the fuck up and just ate tangerines until I started to feel actually kind of fucked up from the blood sugar spike. Cause then I was like, dude, you just ate and you just ate and you just eaten 18 tangerines. That's a little bit extreme. Then I had to, to rest my little, little eyes. Cause I was a little shaky from the blood sugar, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. Desperate times call for desperate measures. So I just wanted to hop on the mic. I'm just going to talk from the heart off the cuff about this. Uh, and I just have to kind of express myself and I'm gonna try to do it in a measured way. And I just, I'm gonna be talking about the gun control thing and just a heads up, uh, I am a pro second amendment person. So if that is gonna trigger you, you can skip ahead. This is probably gonna take about 10 minutes or so. Uh, so if you do not want to hear about uh, my, my thoughts about why I am a pro second amendment uh, person, then you can skip ahead 10 minutes. So I used to be, like a shit lib, I guess you could say. I used to be staunchly, I, I was like the first person to, to the, the mantra common sense, uh, common sense gun reform, common sense gun reform. I used to say that all the time. Of course, why not this? Why not that? Why not this? Why not that? And then look at the NRA and be like, look at those maniacs. They don't even want to do end date. They don't want to allow for even the slightest little reform. Like what a bunch of fucking sickos. But here's the thing, what I have observed in my time here on earth, inside the belly of the beast, in the empire, as an empire baby, when a government seizes power, it never ever ever gives the power back. And it only ever acquires more and more and more power for itself. So the government wants to disarm us. And so people, I made the mistake of signing into Instagram. Big mistake, big mistake. <laughs> and I just saw all these takes that I was like, oh my God, just the whole thing of like, you see this over and over again where people are like, oh yeah, you wanna, uh, you, you wanna have a well-regulated militia? The government has drones. What are you gonna do about drones? It's like, well, I'm not telling anyone to do anything. This is purely uh, hypothetical. This is uh, comedic. But satirically, you could maybe develop some sort of EMP device and the drones. I mean, different problems call for different solutions. So if you're getting swarmed by bees, you don't call in a, uh, a SWAT team. You know, you, you get bug spray, you don't get a SWAT team. So it's like it's two different things. And the government wants to disarm us because it makes us more easily controlled. And if you look at countries like Canada and Australia completely disarmed and look at how the citizens were treated over the past two years. I mean, freezing bank accounts if they send money to truckers, Australia, Melbourne became like this battle battle zone hellscape where there was like armed guards beating people for being more than four kilometers from their house, arresting grandmas in parks for holding signs. And also, if you look even in the U.S., the states that have the loosest gun laws had the most freedom during the last two years. So I'm, I'm in favor of freedom, 
Uh, I want more freedom, not less freedom. I don't want to be told that I can only go two kilometers away from my house. I don't want to have to show a QR code to go into the supermarket. And even though it seems like these are two totally unrelated, it might seem like these are two totally unrelated issues, they are actually not unrelated issues. So I don't understand why you are pushing for the state to have the monopoly on violence. Because, okay, everyone right now is freaking out about ban assault rifles, ban assault rifles. Or there's really no such thing as an assault rifle, the AR-15 style rifle. Ban the AR-15 style rifle. Like, okay, what's what's that going to do? There's 3D printers now, first off. So peop- I'm sure there's the, the specs are out there to 3D print uh, an AR-15 style rifle in the first place. I think people want like easy solutions to problems that are very multi-layered and very deep and very hard to confront. So for me right now, there's two things that are being completely ignored um, in regards to the these, these shootings, which are just unspeakably horrific. You know what I mean? I mean, just unspeakably horrific and um, hard to even talk about you know, with young kids and stuff like that. And, but the police were tackling parents. I'm talking about in in Uvalde, Texas. They were tackling parents and tasing parents outside the school to prevent the parents from going in to try to confront the shooter and save their kids. So while the active shooting was happening, and if you look at the 911 call, the BBC put out a really like, straightforward graph where it shows all the 911 calls this same young girl called 911 like five times and kept on saying like please send the police in please send the police in please send the police in her first call was at like 903 the police didn't go in until like 950 and then during that time they were just milling around outside and tackling parents and tasing parents who were trying to go in so why is that not like the focal point of the story i don't understand and then so okay you make it so that citizens can no longer get ar-15 style rifles like the police still have military gear why do you want the state to have the monopoly on violence that just seems like you think that that's going to solve the problems look at how our look at how our government is behaving around the world it's one another thing that really bothers me about like it just seems like the mainstream populace, U.S. populace, just doesn't give a flying fuck about foreign policy whatsoever. And they just swallow the state line and they don't actually look at what's happening. The terrorists that our government is supporting in Syria uh, are committing atrocities and have committed atrocities that are so horrific that I don't even want to repeat them. These are reflections of our leaders. These these horrific satanic atrocities so why would you want to give that force the monopoly on violence i just don't understand when a populace is well armed it makes it harder it makes it more unruly makes it harder to rule makes it harder to dominate and i think that's a good thing another thing that is not being talked about so again i made the mistake of signing into Instagram and I saw over and over again like stop weaponizing mental health to uh stop weaponizing mental health to like you know defend assault rifles or something like that and 
I just don't understand why you can't like have both conversations at the same time. So many young people are on SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. I'm not, I haven't been able to like really read that much about the story because it's so horrific to be honest. So I don't know if this particular shooter was on an SSRI or not. But it says in the insert on these drugs that they can cause suicidal and homicidal ideations. So why are we handing these things out like candy? Why is no one talking about the, just the explosion of SSRIs? And why aren't we discussing like, why is, why are all these young kids so depressed? What is happening in our society that's making these young kids so depressed? I just think the conversation is so much more nuanced. And, you know, for me, I'm all about like survival and no one talks about like the hunting applications of AR-15 style rifles. They make very good hunting rifles because they can shoot far and <laughs> accurately. So I just don't see how banning a certain style of rifle is going to achieve anything other than give the state a little toehold, grab a toehold, and then they will continue to expand the, the bans and accumulate more and more power for themselves. And make no mistake, the goal the state wants the people to be disarmed. So again, why are you giving the forces that are supporting far-right, bandrite fascists right now, committing atrocities in Ukraine, who created ISIS and supported the satanic atrocities of ISIS in Syria, why do you want this force to be the only force that has a monopoly on violence? I just don't understand and I just wish that there could be I think when something really horrific happens like this people get overwhelmed and and understandably so and so then when you get overwhelmed your brain kind of like shuts down it goes into like its brainstem mode and you just want you want to like lash out you want an easy solution and you want something to blame and I just see this like immediate knee-jerk reaction to like blame the assault rifle blame the assault rifle and I just think that's really missing the point. And there's much more people who are arguing for the Second Amendment. There's more to the argument than, you know, it's not like Second Amendment people want there to be mass shootings. So we need to like look at things, try to look at things from the other person's perspective. And I guess that should go for me also. So I understand that when people are like, ban the assault rifle, ban the assault rifle, they think in their heart that that will somehow make it so that mass shootings don't happen anymore or something like that. Um, like they don't have semi-automatic pistols, which can fire off. You can get a semi-automatic pistol. You can get a, a extra long magazine. This kid apparently had, I read that he had 50 magazines, 50 magazines. I mean, that is so crazy. But anyways, you could do that with a pistol. It was like a bullpup gun. You could do that. You could have 50 magazines and extra long magazines, semi-automatic, boom, 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 boom. And you can fire off a lot of shots in that regard as well. So anyways, I, uh, I hope this wasn't too triggering for people, but I just wanted to put out some thoughts, um, inject, hopefully inject a little more nuance in the conversation and also kind of talk about my own evolution. Because again, I, I did, I used to be like fully against guns and I just you know but then I started like actually looking at the situation 
And again, it just comes back to the whole monopoly on violence thing. Like, why do I want the police to be the only ones with guns? Why do I want the state to be the only ones with guns? Also, I want to be able to hunt, you know, if, say, the supply chain collapses or we get some sort of, like, solar flare that knocks out the grid. Um, you know, I have a much better chance being successful at hunting if I have a good rifle versus if I have, like, a little pistol. So just things to consider, and uh, I think I'll leave it there for now. All right, thanks so much, guys. Peace. All of my enemies in the bending the knee. All my enemies begging me, begging, please let me free. As my fist grips the axe, I got leather bells ring, and I swing a blade down, now the hell is for free. Yeah, we'll be bend the bounce for like 10 centuries. I'm the alpha omega and every letter between. Step on the scene, rest in peace, leave me dead in the street. From opiate dependency, codeine and promethazine. Bury me up on the hill with evergreen in the creek. Not the type to live until I'm fucking 73. waddled my way through that topic which I suppose is inevitable such a touchy topic but if you all go back into my archives back in 2020 I did a series about the police the origins of the police as slave catchers and um, I called it deconstruct the police and so as an agorist or a social anarchist I believe that it is our responsibility, it's our duty to be able to not only defend yourself, but to defend those around you. And the only way you can do that is if you work together with those around you for collective self-defense. And so I think that's very powerful. I think anything that makes you less dependent is a good thing broadly. And so, you know, the horrors in Texas where you had the police tackling parents rather than going in and confronting the shooter, it really should just kind of drive home the point that you cannot rely on any external factors. You can hope, you can hope that they, it works out this time. But I have so many friends who are women who tell horror stories about either being part involved directly in a domestic violence situation or seeing their moms being abused in a domestic situation and then calling the cops and the cops being completely impotent taking the guy's side and leaving i've heard i've heard that story over and over and over again and that's incredibly upsetting i mean it traumatizes everybody it traumatizes the the victim it traumatizes the young uh usually the the daughter who sees or the son who sees that's going to cause lifelong issues and stuff. So, you know, I just think dignity, I think it comes down to dignity. And I just think that if you're dependent on everything else for everything, if you, you can't even feel like you can defend yourself, you can't even feel like you can feed yourself, you can't even feel like, where would you go to get water if you had to get water? I don't know. Uh, it, it starts to, it starts to kind of, your dignity starts to seep out like maple syrup <laughs> going down a trunk. It's like that 
your your self-respect starts to seep away like that then the argument is like well what about i I don't like this term common sense reforms because what does that mean one person's common sense is going to be another person's anathema and like i said when states seize power they never ever give it back instead they use the power they seize to seize more power they get a toehold and then they get a, a foothold and then they get a leg hold and then all of a sudden they're all up in you and they're knocking on your door coming for your your rifle so um yeah i mean th- that's just my thoughts and um i try to keep an open mind all the time so if people have constructive thoughts um not just like you're a pos and how dare you and but any sort of constructive thoughts um i'd love to hear from you guys so barbarian.noetics at gmail.com one of these days i'll figure out how to take live callers too that'll be fun all right thanks guys love y'all peace I'm too old to die young, but this was fun I done some 30 deeds and Jesus ain't my hero I'm just trying to live to 33 But if I make it farther, maybe I'll forgive my father Settle down and have some seeds, I teach to walk on water If I could start to solve a VHS address rewind I focus less on sex and drugs and stick with sex and wine Still I success to climb with exercise, just ain't my habit I'm more like Adderall and whiskey or a hit of acid Feed me drugs like feeding carrots to a rabbit Plus I'm rascally, I get nasty on these beats I means I keep it ratchet They keep on asking for that new shit, say they got to have it But would it give the kid a dollar for his last shit? I ain't mad, it's just the death in taxes got me breathing heavy Maybe it's the cigarettes, or maybe I ain't eating healthy I dream I'm wealthy, so of course I'm sleeping in Of course I'm hitting snooze, that's like a nightmare creeping in And I've been sinning since that first sip from the bottle got me wicked And I drink until I overflow this pot, I got to pissing Cause I'm not about to listen to no logic, I'm too ignorant I ain't a healthy self of shit, I'm finna get malignant man. Never fall in love, never had no kids Never take a groupie to the same crib where you live Don't ever be the snitch And if you is, don't be no bitch When you lying in a ditch What's up, love doves? You've made it to the end of the show And for that, you deserve a reward That's right It's outro time uh. Outro time for the BMP It's outro time for the BMP it's the outro time. It's the end of the show. We love the end of the show because we get to sing along with Little Raven. Outro time, outro time. Outro time, outro time. Outro time. Outro time, ah, 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 outro time, ah, 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 ah. yeah, and for today's outro, we're going to be reading from a little, a little ditty that I just excavated from one of my storage bins, I completely forgot about this book, and it's, I don't always read uh, publications written by the U.S. Armed Forces, but when I do, (laughs) I read the U.S. Armed Forces Survival Manual, and uh, there's some really interesting stuff in here, so I'm just going to read a little bit. I just turned to a random page, and it was like the food preparation section, 
So I'm gonna start here with seasoning. Make sure my recorder is recording. Good, okay. So salt can be obtained by boiling seawater. No surprises there. The ashes of burned nipa palm boughs, hickory, and of some other plants contain salt that can be dissolved in water. When the water has been evaporated, the salt has a black tint. The citric acid in limes and lemons can be used to pickle seaweeds, fish, and other meat. Dilute two parts fruit juice with one part salt water. Allow the fish or meat to soak for half a day or longer. Baking bread. Bread may be made with flour and water. If possible, use the seawater for the salt. After kneading the dough well, place it in a sand-lined hole. I found this part really interesting. Okay. After kneading the dough well, place it in a sand-lined hole. Then place sand on top of the dough and cover with glowing coals. By experimentation, you should be able to balance the dough and fire temperatures to prevent sand from clinging to the cooked bread. That's pretty cool. Another method of baking bread is to twist it around a green stick from which the bark has been removed and place it over a fire. The stick should be bitten first to determine if the sap is so sour or bitter that it will affect the taste of the bread. Bread may also be made by spreading dough into thin sheets of hot... Wait, sorry. Bread may also be made by spreading dough into thin sheets on a hot rock. A little leaven, dough allowed to sour, added to the bread dough improves the loaf. Interesting. Preserving food. Freezing. In cold climates, preserve excess food by freezing. Drying. Plants and meat can be dried by wind, sun, sun, air, or fire, or any combination of these four. The object is to remove the water. Smoking. Cutting the meat with the grain into quarter-inch strips and drying it in the wind or in smoke will produce jerky. Put the strips of meat on a wooden grate and dry until the meat is brittle. Use willow, alders, cottonwood, birch, and dwarf birch for the firewood because pitch woods, uh, pick, pitch woods such as pine and fir will make the meat unpalatable. Interesting. A parachute teepee makes a good smokehouse when the flaps at the top are closed. Hang the meat high and build a slow smoldering fire under it. A quicker way of smoking meat is by the following method. Dig a hole in the ground about one meter deep and half a meter wide. Make a small fire at the bottom of the hole. After starting the fire, use green wood for smoke. Place an improvised wooden grate about three quarters of a meter up from the bottom. Use poles, boughs, leaves, or any available material to cover the pit. After one night of heavy smoking, the meat should be in a condition to remain edible for five to seven days. If it is possible to smoke the meat for two nights, it will remain edible for two to four weeks or longer. When properly smoked, the meat should look like a dark, brittle, curled stick, but it is very tasty and nutritious. And then I want to skip ahead a little bit here to hunting. Okay. Weapons. A spear is the simplest hunting weapon, but if you have any elastic material, fashion a slingshot from a light but sturdy forked branch. This made me happy because I have my own professional slingshot. And I've been practicing with it! Use large pebbles for ammunition. I've got these little clay balls for ammunition. Use weapon, uh, such weapons are remarkably accurate and an effective way to collect small game and birds. 
If you have time and available material, try fashioning a bow and arrows. This is far more efficient and versatile for hunting most animals other than a, using a spear. I can only imagine. Alright, so this is pretty interesting. Trapping. If you expect to trap with any kind of success, you must decide what kind of animal to trap, how the animal will react, and the type of bait to use. Rodents and rabbits are easy to trap. I love how they say that. It's so easy. Just a piece of cake, catching a rabbit. These small mammals have regular habits and confine themselves to limited areas of activity. Locate a hole or run, then bait and set one of the traps illustrated below. Trapping hints. To catch a mammal that lives in a hollow tree, try inserting a short forked stick in the hole and twisting so that any loose skin will wrap around the fork. Keep the stick taut while pulling the animal out. Two, use smoke to drive animals out of their dens. Snare or club the quarry as it emerges. Three, bait a fish hook with a minnow and place it near water to catch gulls, crows, and other scavengers. I could never catch a crow. Come on now. And then they have all these helpful diagrams of all these different snares and traps, which obviously audio only doesn't uh, convert too well, but I'm just gonna read a little bit here. A, a basic snare. The most basic snare is set perpendicular to a hole or trail and attached to a heavy branch or stone. As the animal moves into the snare opening, the slipknot secures the loop around its neck and chest and the animal's sudden lunging tightens it more. Use light, flexible wire if possible. It is less easily observed, dark, darken if not already tea-stained or rusty, slips close, closed more readily, and is more difficult for an animal to bite through. This snare can be allowed, uh, attached to a log or drag, which slows down the animal, allowing it to be captured. Other types of snares, there's a spring snare. This snare is particularly useful on game trails. Fasten the loop to a log, tree, or forked stake and set it near a bush or limb as illustrated. There's a baited spring snare. Fasten a slip noose to the end of a bent sapling. Open the noose wide enough to fit over the animal's head, but not wide enough for its body to slip through. Secure the trigger so that it holds the sapling. Make it sufficiently loose so that a slight jerk in the noose will free the trigger. Spring and spear trap. Trap jungle mammals using a bamboo spring and spear snare. As the quarry strikes the cord or wire that is secured to the trigger mechanism, the trigger is released and the spear is driven by the force of the bamboo spring. And finally, the deadfall. Build a simple deadfall with a rock or heavy log and tilt it at a steep angle on a figure four trigger. Tie the bait on the trigger. When the game disturbs the bait, the weight will fall. When the game disturbs the weight, the weight will fall. Oh, that's right. It's the end of the outro, aren't you sad, aren't you sad? It's okay, I'll be back next week. That's a right, that's a right. Ah, 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 outro, outro. Alrighty, this video I'm watching is super uh, distracting because it's got scenes from classic Saturday Night Fever. Anyways, this brings us to the end of the show. So thank you so much for joining. I love you guys. Please support the podcast, help me stay on the air, and help me do afford groceries. Hop over to patreon.com slash noetics and 
help me to stay on the air. I really appreciate it. You can sign up at any tier. You get bonus content. You get a dream interpretation. Depending on what tier you sign up at, you either get one dream interpretation or if you become my own personal Jesus, you get pretty much unlimited dream interpretations. You get a direct line from me, uh, to me, I should say. You get uh, bonus content, like original poetry and stuff that I put behind the Patreon paywall. So it's a lot of fun. Come sign up. Become part of our tribe of philosopher barbarians so we can bring in a golden age on earth and if you just want to do a small one-time donation you can hop over to buymeacoffee.com noetics and do that just rating reviewing subscribing spreading the word telling a friend about the bmp i implore all of my beautiful listeners tell two of your friends this week about the bmp in the archives i have 155 episodes now and you know, there's something for everyone, literally. So each week I tackle different topics. Um, I do not shy away from controversial topics. Uh, I speak my own truth. I try to do so respectively. I try to always have an open mind. But like I said, there's something for everyone. You know, I have a whole series about addiction, overcoming alcoholism. I've got an episode with Dr. David Glowacki about virtual reality, using virtual reality to have mystical experiences. I've got all sorts of good stuff, so if you could tell two of your friends about the BMP. To my international listeners, what's up? I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Help spread the word internationally so we can bust past these stupid-ass imaginary borders and I can connect with you guys. Hit me up, barbarian.noetics at gmail.com. I love to hear from you guys. And until next week, everyone, be excellent to yourselves, be fantastic, be compassionate, be kind to others and I love you guys and it's a new moon right now new moon coming at you on a Monday night May the 30th so it is a good time to center yourself to set your intentions for the month and I hope that you all have a magnificent week and I'll talk to you next all right lindo de contrabando de la sierra morena cielito lindo vienen bajando un par de ojitos negros cielito lindo de contrabando lindo que a mí me toca es el lunar que tienes 
lindo junto a la boca No se lo des a nadie, cielito lindo que a mí me toca 